how do things get stuck in our minds? How do things get stuck in our minds? I'll give you, give you a little weird example. Zinginthropus africanus. Zinginthropus africanus. I was in ninth grade uh, several decades ago, and we were in this science class or something, and there was this little article we read, and came across some like this information about like in the 70s, somebody dug up uh, these bones and it was like, it was evidently something really important to those people and they called it Zinginthropus africanus. Well, how do I remember that decades later? I, as this weird ninth grader, I'm like, that's kind of cool. I, I wanna be able to like drop that into conversation. So here's what I'm gonna do. I'm going to, when I'm walking from this class to my next class, I'm going to repeat that name 100 times. And so that's what I did. I just kind of like had my fingers out and I count, okay, 10 times, 20 times. And you know what? Here I am, decades later, remembering absolutely useless trivia But how do things get stuck in our minds? Often it's by repetition. Often it's by repetition. Listen, what we repeat matters. What we repeat matters. Listen, not only do the things we repeat get stuck in our mind, but they they will also shape our lives. Many of us have like these repetitive narratives that go through our brains that are maybe less than positive less than hopeful. Some people carry around this this repetitive idea that they're never gonna make it. I can't do it. I'm useless. Hopefully, most of you have some positive things that you repeat to yourself. You know, like, with God's strength, I can do this. You know, and and there's positive things as well. Well, today, I'm gonna be helping us discover something that for me has become what I call the Jesus mantra. Kinda strange, I know, a little bit interesting title. We'll get to why I call it that in a minute. But listen, here's what I want you to think about. What we repeat matters. It gets stuck in our minds and it'll shape our lives. Now we've been in the book of John as we're reading together. Um, through our 260 reading plan. We're right in the middle of the book of John. John is kind of interesting in many different ways, but one of the ways that's interesting is that almost half of the book of John is about the last week of Jesus' life, including his death and his resurrection. Almost half of the book, nine, nine out of 21 chapters are just in these last days, including his death and his resurrection. And his, it's in Uh, John chapter 12, that we start this amazing narrative of what's going on during this final week. And it's in John 12 that Jesus enters Jerusalem to enter the Passover. And I want us to look at just two verses from there. Here comes Jesus into Jerusalem, and it says this in verses 12 and 13. The next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. So they took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, 
Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. As Jesus makes his entry into Jerusalem on what we call Palm Sunday, he's greeted by this crowd. There was people from all over the land who had heard Jesus teach, who had seen miracles that he'd done, or they'd heard like their friends talking about, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Maybe this could be the, you know, the Messiah. This could be our savior. And so they like run ahead and they, they grab palm branches, which were these symbols of victory. And they line the roads and they shout these three things. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. These are three declarations that I believe are defining truths about Jesus. He is the one who comes near. He is the one who will answer our cry, Hosanna, which means save us now. Save us now. And he is the one who is the king. It was four years ago when I first recognized a very similar pattern of thoughts and ideas. It was during a message on prayer that I brought all the way back in pre-pandemic years of 2019. And I shared this idea, this concept, and go ahead and put it up on the screen. This is what I, I taught. Every time we pray, we are declaring that Jesus is here, that he is good, and that he is Lord. Every time we pray, no matter what prayer it is, whether we're blessing food over, over you know, a meal, whether we are you know, praying for our kids before they go off to school, um, whether we're praying for someone who is like struggling with cancer, I mean, whatever it is, those three things are wrapped up in every prayer. His presence, his goodness, and his authority is king. Like all of that is wrapped up in every prayer we pray. That was the first time that I'd like seen this pattern and listen, I teach a lot of things. Would it be surprising to you to know that I don't remember everything that I say? <laughs> now, sometimes it's on Tuesday and I'm like racking my brain like, what did I preach on Sunday? And there's times like I'll be going back through notes, you know, like from, you know, a month or two ago or whatever. And like, I don't remember saying that, but dang, that was good. <laughs> and is this true for all of us? Like some things just stick differently, right? Some things just stick differently in our, in our minds, in our thinking. And there are times, however, when it almost seems like God has brought out like this Holy Spirit highlighter over an idea, over a thought, over a particular scripture. And it's kind of like God saying, remember this. This is gonna make a difference in your life. This is gonna make a difference in your faith journey. And for me, those three ideas about Jesus have been that for me. 
It's become something that has been more and more embedded into my thinking and into my practice. Well, what do you mean? Listen, every Wednesday night, we join together right here in this sanctuary at six o'clock for prayer. And man, it varies between like 15 of us and 30 of us. And I encourage everyone to come and participate when you, when you are able. It's, it's a strong time of just, just crying out to the Lord for him to do his work in our lives, in our families, in our church, and in our, in our city, in our community. They're beautiful times. But you know how I almost every week will begin my time of prayer? Because it's not like led from the front, like everybody repeat this prayer. No, it's like we just take this whole room and create this altar space for people to come in and to, to, uh, to talk to Jesus. And so as I begin to pray, usually I'm walking, I like to walk and pray, and almost every single week I start with this. Jesus, you are here. I am reminding myself, God, of your presence. And then I'll just, I'll just think about the reality that God is here. You know what, I pray different when I'm remembering that, oh, God's here. He's not distant, he's not far away, he's right here. Then I'll, then I'll begin, after a while, begin to pray about, God, you are good. You are good. Sometimes I look at these images around the room, and this first one that's all the way over here on your left is the cross. And it represents that Jesus is our Savior. And I think about his goodness, that he gave his very life, that he sacrificed everything. And I just start to worship him. And I'm, I'm just beginning to, pray, as I pray, just remind myself of the goodness of God, his faithfulness, his love, his generosity to me. And not just to me, but to the world. And then I'll, I'll begin to pray about the Lordship of Jesus. And Jesus, your Lord. So Lord, I, I come to you in humility, recognizing that you're Lord and I'm not recognizing that you're the king. God, I'm your servant. And so I come into your presence to bring these requests to you or to share my heart and express. I'm just telling you, rather than forgetting these three ideas that I first saw in God's word four years ago, they've grown more and more part of my thinking, my faith practice, and has become so important and I've thought about this word mantra. And I know, you know, some of you recognize that, that like that word mantra can be related to like Eastern religions and it's kind of weird. And listen, can, can you just give me a little bit of slack and re recognize that is not how I'm using the word. Not even a little bit. But there's a definition of the word mantra that's the, I, the way I use it. And we're gonna put it up here, up on up on the, the screen. This is according to the American Heritage Dictionary. Their mantra is a commonly repeated word or phrase, especially in advocacy or used for motivation. It's this common repetition that we're using like to motivate or to advocate. And you know what? When I repeat those ideas, Jesus, you're here. Jesus, you're good. Jesus, you're Lord. I'm telling you, there is this, there's this understanding that I am advocating even for myself that in no matter what situation, no matter what I'm facing, no matter what difficulties, no matter what questions that are out there, no matter what I'm going through, 
Jesus, you're here. I am not alone. Jesus, you are good. You are working for me, not against me. God, and I can like relax because you're Lord. I'm not, but you're Lord. So in that sense, I have come to think of these three, this little trilogy of ideas as as a little Jesus mantra. Something that, that I often repeat as I'm even advocating for my own soul to be of faith, to trust in the Lord, and to recognize that he is here. Would you just repeat those three things with me? Because you know how things get stuck in your head? (laughs) Repetition. Would you just say these three things with me? Jesus is here. Jesus is good. Jesus is Lord. Now, I see those same three things echoed in what those Israelites were proclaiming and shouting as Jesus walked into Jerusalem. So let's just take a a deeper dive in and then we're gonna just go deeper in our understanding of each of those three things that I think will help to just make this more even alive in your spirits and in your faith journey. But here's verse 13 of John chapter 12. What did, what did they shout? These three things. Hosanna, which means save us now. Then they said, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. And I hear this echoing, these three ideas that he's here, he's good, and he's Lord. So let's dive in a little deeper to each of these three different themes. Number one, Jesus is here. Jesus is here. Blessed is he who calms in the name of the Lord. Here was Jesus coming into Jerusalem, right? And and as you know, maybe you're familiar with the story. Some of you is like riding on a donkey. Listen, Jesus is the God who shows up. He is the God who shows up, and guess what? He doesn't leave. It's his promise. It's his promise that he will never leave us. He will never forsake us. His presence, friends, is so important. As we go through all kinds of issues and things in our lives where we're maybe being confronted with doubts, being confronted with fear, wondering which direction to go, to know, to know in our heart of hearts, in our deepest places of understanding that no matter what I am facing, I'm not facing it alone, but Jesus is here. He's with me. Blessed is he who comes. Blessed is the God who shows up. Now listen, all through biblical history, we know that God shows up. I mean, you can go all, we can go all the way back, start in Genesis. We can go all the way back and look at the scripture about that God literally walked with those first people in the, in the garden. Beautiful, it's, like, it's almost challenging for us to imagine. 
And then we just keep reading and we see how God's visitation upon his people continued to make a difference. In fact, when, when the Israelites were freed out of hundreds of years of slavery, God wanted his presence to be so known by his people that literally he gave this, this pillar of cloud that was with them every day. This pillar of cloud, like, is God here? Well, there he is. It was this manifestation of his presence. It's like God wasn't a cloud, but he, like, he, he wanted them to have this permanent symbol, this permanent evidence that, guys, I haven't left you. Yeah, you're going through stuff, but for 40 years, pillar of cloud by day, and then at night, they got the coolest nightlight ever because that pillar of cloud, it said, became this pillar of fire. I don't know what that was like. Maybe the cloud just like had constant lightning going in it. I don't, know what, I don't know what it was, but it was cool. And it was this evidence of God's, what? His presence. Because he is the God who shows up, doesn't leave. When we get all the way to the prophets, they begun, begin talking about the one who is coming. It was Isaiah in chapter seven, verse 14, who says this, check this out. It says, look, the virgin will conceive a child. You guys, this was way before Jesus came that the prophet foretold his coming. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which has the most beautiful meaning, God with us. Years go by, Jesus comes. And at the very end of Matthew, I love, these are like the very last words in the gospel of Matthew 28, 20, and Jesus is getting ready to return to heaven. But you know what he reminds his disciples? Matthew 28, 20, Jesus says, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. You will never be outside of my presence. And so what had Jesus done? He had promised that like, listen, it's better if I return to heaven because I'm gonna send you my spirit. I'm gonna send you the Holy Spirit who will never leave you. you will, I'm, he said, I'm not leaving you as orphans. I will be present with you through my spirit. And friends, guess what we have today? We have the Holy Spirit of God living within us. In one place in the New Testament, it actually calls the Holy Spirit the Spirit of Jesus. I will never leave you. I will never leave you. Jesus is here. Jesus is here. Why is this so important? Listen, if, if we're missing this concept, if we're missing this idea, or if somehow it gets twisted or broken, man, I'm telling you, it will trash our faith. It'll trash it. If we forget that he is present, why would we cry out to the one who is like, not even here? Like, I don't even think you hear me. If we don't recognize his imminence, his presence right here with us, moment by moment, day by day. We will never trust him to like reach out and grab a hold of him. 
our faith falls apart. If we do not recognize his presence, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Friends, Jesus is here. Jesus is here. And when you get in your car to go home today, doesn't matter what you're driving, doesn't matter the shoes you're walking in, the bicycle you're riding, whatever, Jesus is here with you. Jesus is here. Would you say those words? Jesus is here. The second theme comes out that Jesus is good, I believe, in that shout, Hosanna, save us now. Because this gets to the very nature of God. The very nature of God. They were shouting out to the one who could save. To the one who they believed would save. Listen, Jesus is good. He is for you, not against you. He came to bring salvation, not condemnation. We focus on John 3.16. need to read John 3.17. I am not here to condemn you, but to bring salvation to you. He is gracious and merciful. He is faithful in all situations. He is good. And not only can he save, but he wants to save. His very mission is to respond to people's cry, Hosanna! He is a good God. He is not evil. There is no malintent in any of his thoughts towards you or to the world. I love Oh man, we could just spend so much time in each one of these topics because there's so much scripture that like backs up each of these three themes. I'm just having to really edit, edit, edit. But listen to the words that God used about himself when he was talking to his, his boy Moses. Exodus 34, six. Listen to the words that God uses. He says, I am Jehovah, the merciful and gracious God. He said, slow to anger (laughs) and rich in steadfast love and truth. God, thank you for your mercy. I don't deserve it. Thank you for your gracious gifts and all that you have poured out upon me. I don't deserve it. That's really what's at the heart of grace and mercy. We don't need grace and mercy if we've got everything together. We don't have it all together. And we are the recipients of his grace and his mercy, his generosity, his love. I love what it says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse six. It says, listen, remember, it's impossible to please God without faith. It says, anyone who wants to come to him must believe Not only that God exists, but that he is a rewarder of those who sincerely seek him. Friends, it says part of our faith is actually believing that God is good and that he will 
reward us for seeking after him, for pressing into him, for going after him. He will reward. He is the God who wants to reward. He just says, come. Come, I have so much for you. I want to bless you. I want to pour out everything of my spirit, my goodness, my riches upon you. I want to set you free. I got so much for you. And it says that literally it's impossible to please God without that kind of faith. It's like it's not enough to believe that he exists, which could almost be, think about it for a moment, well, I believe that God's here. But I'm not so sure about his goodness. Because I look at my life and I see the hard places, I see like the challenges, I see like the dark spots, I see all that. And so I have these questions, I have these things I wonder about because is he really good? I look around the world and I see all kinds of trouble. I see conflict, I see pain, I see suffering, and I'm wondering, is he really good? We'll talk about that in a moment. But, but can I just point out that the kind of faith that it says that we need to bring not only believes Jesus is here, but that believes Jesus is good. That he, he is waiting to reward me and when I look at my life, man, there's so much reward that I did not deserve, but he has graciously and mercifully given. What happens when this concept is like missing or is broken in our understanding? Well, I want you to think for a moment about this moment that Jesus actually enters Jerusalem on that Palm Sunday, five days before he was to go to the cross. All these people had gathered Right? Waving palm branches, Hosanna. We know you can save. But you know what? Here's, here was what was going on in their hearts and in their minds. They had a misunderstanding of the goodness of God. See, they were under oppression from the Romans. Now, it is hard for us to even conceive of the nation of Israel when Jesus came on the scene. Because we're used to being from countries that are relatively free, where we have the freedom of expression, where we have the freedom to, and we only pay taxes to one government. Well, guess what? That was not the reality for the Jews at this time. The reality was, is that they were under the rule of Rome. They had to pay tax, not only like to keep their own city and you know, culture going. They had to pay tax to Caesar. It was a long way off. And those Roman soldiers were brutal. And at any moment could like demand, you just drop what you're doing, I need you right now to come and do what I want you to do. So in other words, I mean, it was, it was almost like this, we, we were under slavery to the Romans. Because at any moment, they could just say, you, now, over here, come do this. Like when they told the one guy to like carry the cross of Jesus, if, you're, if you remember that part of the story, there's like, we don't care what you're doing, just come over here, you're carrying it now. They were under this harsh oppression, harsh oppression. And you know what they wanted? They wanted a political leader who was going to lead them out from under the rule of Rome. They were looking to Jesus misunderstanding his purpose, 
misunderstanding his nature, misunderstanding his goodness. So they wanted a political leader. They had not been listening carefully enough to what Jesus had told them. He said things like this that we have in uh, John chapter 16, where he said in verse 33, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In me you may have peace. Because remember, in this world you will have trouble. But take heart. For I have overcome the world. Listen, Jesus didn't come to take us out of all the trouble. He came to take all the trouble out of us. You catch that? Jesus did not come to take us out of all the trouble. We still go through difficulties. We still go through pain, challenges, disease, blah, 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 blah. Once in a while, man, we get this miracle breakthrough and it's like, yes, thank you. That was like this grace gift. We didn't deserve it. But Jesus didn't come to take us out of all trouble. He came to take all the trouble out of us. He came to deal with our sin, our brokenness, all the internal mess. He came to bring healing, to bring freedom, to bring salvation. So that no matter what trouble we're going through in the world, our peace never has to be shaken. Our peace never has to be called into question. Bless the Lord. Jesus is here. Just say those words, Jesus is here. Jesus is good. Jesus, you're good. And then this last theme, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Blessed is the king, the king of Israel. This gets to the authority of Jesus. The authority. Not only is he present, which is amazing. Not only is he good, he is for me, not against me. He wants to reward me, not condemn me. Huh. But he has the authority, all the authority, all the authority. God has given him all authority. And friends, we could look at scripture after scripture after scripture. Let me, let me just read a few just to like, let's like ink this into your understanding. First Chronicles 29, 11. First Chronicles 29, 11. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, the glory the victory and the majesty. Everything in the heavens and on earth is yours, O Lord, and this is your kingdom. We adore you as the one who is over all things. And then Jesus, again, right at the very end of the Gospel of Matthew, says these words about himself. Matthew 28, 18, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority, 
in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Listen, make, like, have no understanding. Don't misjudge, my friends, what's going on here. Because the very God that was worshiped through the Old Testament, you know, all power, all authority, who's over all things, you are now looking at him. I am God in the flesh. All authority, all authority has been given to me. We could go on and on, but I want you to just see one more place. It's the 25th verse of Jude. It's like, what chapter? Well, there's only one. Jude 1, 25. All glory to him who alone is God, our Savior through Jesus Christ, our Lord. All glory, majesty, power, and authority are, be- are his before all time and in the present and beyond all time. Amen. It's like this same Jesus, the creator of all things, the sustainer of all things. He just didn't do that in the past, but check this out, friends, present right here, right now, right? Jesus is here. But don't forget, Jesus is Lord, and it don't end for all time, beyond all time. What happens, you guys, is if we forget this? What happens if we get this twisted understanding and don't remember the authority of Jesus? I think there's probably a few different things that could happen, but here's, here's a couple. If we don't consider Jesus to be Lord, if we, if we think that he is too weak or unable to like deal with any situation, one is that we'll turn to our own strength, Right? which can work for a moment (laughs) till we come to the end of our own strength and ability. It can work for a while. Now you look at some people's lives and man, it's like they just seem charmed. Wow, they just have all the strength and energy they need to get anything done in the world. You look at just people that are like old and successful and like everything they touched was golden. Probably why, you know, Jesus said, now how hard it is for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven because they think they can do it in their own strength. But you know what? Every person who has ever lived has come to the end of their days and has to recognize even in their last breaths, oh crap. <laughs> sorry, sorry, mom. <laughs> sorry. Oh crap. I put my strength in myself. I relied on my own resiliency. I, res- I, I relied on my own wisdom, my own strength, and now it's gone. So we can rely on our own strength, and, and that's what people will tend to do if they don't believe that Jesus has all authority, that he's the king, that he is Lord. But there's another thing that can happen as well when we, when we don't believe that, and that's that we just completely give up completely give up. If you do not believe that Jesus is Lord, then all the anxiety of the world is on your shoulders. Because if God is not able to take care 
of those things that are in front of me or that my family is confronting or that our world is confronting. If he is not able, if he is not Lord over those things, then guess what, friends? (laughs) We're sunk. And so all of the anxiousness that we feel just builds and comes upon. It actually can become this very heavy blanket of depression, anxiety and depression can come over us. I think very primarily because we forget that like, oh, he is Lord. He is able. That his hand is not too short to reach down and to minister his grace, his provision in any situation, no matter how dark and how dire. He is here. He is good. He is Lord. Because he is Lord, because he is strong, because he is able, guess what? He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And because of that, because of all authority has been given to him, past, present, future, then not only is he worthy of all of my worship, as we sang today, he's also worthy of all of my obedience. Jesus, I will follow you. Even when I don't see what you're doing, Lord, I'm gonna trust you because you're here, you're good, and you're Lord. I wanna finish by just reflecting on kind of what came next in the story. And we're gonna be reading this over these coming days. If you're reading with us in our 260 reading plan as we continue to read in the Gospel of John, we come to the very darkest days in the disciples' lives. Filled with fear for their own lives. They killed Jesus, they're gonna come for us next. Filled with even doubt. Like, what just happened? Now, Jesus had told them over and over again (laughs) that this is gonna happen. He had told them over and over but there was nothing in their life experience that like, kind of like caused them to understand what he was talking about. He killed and like three days later, he's gonna rise again. We don't even know what that means. Well, who would? So they were in this very, very dark time. How did Jesus come to them? What did Jesus remind them of in their very darkest moments, I believe that he restored their understanding of these same three ideas. One, he restored their knowledge that he was here. Well, how did he do that? Well, he like literally showed up. First to a group of women. Then as you read in the gospel narratives, there's these two guys walking on this long, like taking his long walk away from Jerusalem and then Jesus just kind of shows up. They didn't even recognize who he was until the very end of the story. Reminding them, what? Oh, I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. And then, oh, so cool. Most of the disciples are gathered in a room and, and, and they're like behind locked doors. Why? Because they're like freaked out and they're in fear. And you know what happens? Jesus shows up. He doesn't even knock on the door. He just like, Boop! I'm here. He's like, ah. And like, guys, I'm not a ghost. I'm not an apparition. I'm not like this figment of your magic. Give me some food. I'll show you. Like, this is real. It's me. 
I'm here. You know, another thing he does, he restores their understanding of his goodness. Not only was he here, but he was good. It's in Luke. I love just the end of Luke when it captures these stories. But it says the very first thing that Jesus does when he shows up in that room, he, he doesn't say, what are you guys afraid of? What are you afraid of? You, you knuckleheads, you've been with me for three years. It's like, really? You're doubting me now, right? You're fearful now? He doesn't do any of that. You know what he says? Peace. My peace I give to you. Oh, he's so good. And then as you continue to read in that last chapter of Luke, it is Jesus explains to his followers that his suffering that, that they just witnessed and his death had deep and profound meaning. That it literally was done in order that all nations, all peoples might be able to have forgiveness and salvation. Guys, I went all, through all of this because I'm good, because I'm for you, because I'm for all people. He restored their understanding, Jesus is good. And then he also reminded them of his lordship. If it wasn't enough just to show up in a room through a locked door without knocking, there was one of the disciples you might remember, he wasn't there that night, it was Thomas. And in the subsequent conversations that Thomas has with his buddies who were like in the room at that time, he's going, I'm not gonna believe. Believe that? I don't believe Jesus showed up to you. He says, unless I put my fingers, right, in the wounds where those nails went in, where those spikes were driven in, I'm not gonna believe. So you know what Jesus does? <laughs> Seeks out his friend Thomas. The next time Jesus appears, Thomas is there. And you know what Jesus says to him? Hey, Thomas, I heard what you said. So come, put your, put your fingers here. Put your hand in my side. And I love, I love, I love what Jesus says. He says, put your finger here. Stop doubting and believe. You know what Thomas's reply was? My Lord and my God. He didn't need to put his fingers in those wounds. He knew, I am standing before the living God. I am standing before Jesus, and now I'm remembering, oh, he is Lord. That was his response. Not, I'm sorry, not like, oh, please forgive me. He was just like, my Lord and my God. Jesus restored their understanding, even in their darkest moment, that he is here, that he is good, and he is Lord. Friends, my great desire is that this threefold idea would never leave your hearts, would never leave your minds. that even as I've kind of like lovingly dubbed it as like my Jesus mantra, those things that as I pray, I'm reminded of, that as I'm praying for you, sometimes on the phone, sometimes in person, sometimes 
you know, pastors kind of get called into those rough situations, those rough moments. You know what I'm gonna be praying for you? Because I already do. Jesus. I want to acknowledge your presence right here in this moment. Lord, that we're not alone, that no matter what we're facing, no matter what my friend is, the challenges that's on their plate, Jesus, you're here. And God, I'm reminded right now that Lord, you're good. You are working in ways that we can't always see. But Lord, we know that you're working and that your work is good. That every good gift comes from you. And so Lord, that's what we're getting after right now. And the Lord, not only are you here, not only are you good, but you are Lord. You are the King of Kings. You are above all things. All authority has been given to you. And so Lord, we recognize that. Father, we wouldn't be talking to someone who is like under you. So let you think about that. We're not offering prayers to saints or to others, entities. We don't worship before idols. We don't worship before. We worship and pray to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. His name is Jesus. Hey, I, I really believe that, that probably everyone in the room struggles most with one of those three concepts. Pro probably, if we were to sit down and talk and have a conversation, if you were to kind of chart those out, you'd say, yeah, this is the one I get stuck on. Maybe Jesus wants to heal your perception this morning. He wants to heal your understanding. He wants to give you his thoughts. He wants to... He wants to help you understand and have so permeated in your understanding these three truths.